Welcome back to the Zach Castro Show. Thanks for checking out yet another episode. In my last episode, I said I was going to put these out more frequently. That's the goal, and I'm trying to live up to that promise and, and that goal. And so you'll notice, if you're watching this on video, that I'm wearing the same shirt. I got the same background as the last one, and that's because I'm shooting this literally right after I shot my last episode. And so hopefully that will help me get another episode out sooner than I would have otherwise. And also because... These last couple weeks, these last couple months, this last year, there's been so much. I could probably literally do an episode every day, and I would love to do that maybe someday. But I've had this thing stern in my brain for a little bit, and I want to talk about it because I think that, that where we are at right now in America is so polar from what I'm about to share that maybe it'll get yours and my brain collectively stirring together. And what I want to talk about is, and I'm sure somebody's already said this, I didn't Google search this before, so hopefully I don't get like a cease and desist for using someone's trademarked term or, or phrase or whatever. But, but what I want to share is that I think profit is one of the great wonders of the world. I don't know how many, the eighth wonder, the ninth wonder. I think uh, Albert Einstein, I'm pretty sure it was, said that compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. I'm pretty sure that's how that went. So maybe this would be the ninth wonder of the world. Profit. It's a great wonder of the world. And you might hear that and it might make you cringe inside. Or you might think, gosh, how can you say that as a Christian? Or you might think, no, profit is the thing that is the problem in the world. And so I would just ask you to hear me out. Because sometimes it's hard when you do these. Because I don't want to come across as somebody who thinks I know it all. And, and maybe sometimes it comes across that way. It's not my intention. It's just I get fired up and passionate. And, and so, so I, I'll t- I try my best, like times like these, to step back and say, hey, I don't know it all. This is what I'm thinking through. This is what I'm processing through. And, and actually, before I called this the Zach Castro show, I, I had a show or something that was called Spoke to Me. And maybe I'll rename it because really a lot of this that I like to share really comes from things that have spoke, spoken to me, things that spoke to me. And so that's why sometimes they jump around a little bit in terms of the, the content category, if you will. But the reason that I wanted to talk about how I think and I believe that profit is one of the great wonders of the world is because in, in today's world, in America especially, when people who are successful in business, successful in investing, when, when they're so demonized and so spoken bad about, I think that we are doing a great disservice to society, to our futures. I was thinking about this the other day. Bill, I just finished, sort of, got 95% done, my house that we built for our family. And, you know, we've been involved in a lot of buildings and construction and development over the years, like a lot. And, you know, it's like if a new apartment building goes up, You inevitably have the people who write the article about, oh my gosh, these are so ugly. They look the same. They're just a box, yada, yada, yada. And I always find those so funny because I look at it and I go, you know, it's like our tagline at my business is building community, creating value. Because that's what I believe real estate is all about. I believe that real estate is about building community. Community is very, very hard have without space like sorry zoom community it ain't the same as going to your local coffee shop or your local park or the beach or a gym or whatever it might be where we can actually be in community or we can be together that's why part of i believe the christian faith 
is predicated on community, being together, gathering, because we're humans. That's how it works. That's what works best. And so real estate is all about building community, places. So much of our life revolves around places and people. And if people don't have a place to come together, you don't have community, not real, authentic, powerful community. And so I believe it's building community and creating value. Some of the value is financial, right? A lot of the value, if you're the owner, developer is financial. But if you're the tenant, if you're the, the buyer of a house and a development, it's creating value for you as well. And if it's done well, boy, it's a win-win situation. And what's crazy about it is you don't get community. You don't get buildings. You don't get parks unless you have capital, specifically capital that comes from profit. And so I was thinking about this as I built my house and I got to think through how did I want the light fixtures to look and the flooring and what did I want the colors to be and all these different things. And I engaged with different experts and got help and guidance, which is also what it's all about. Community in that way. Great minds coming together, using the, the power that God gave them in their brain to come up with something unique and special. And I thought none of that could happen unless somebody, in this case me, had made enough money to allow and to pay people to let their great minds do great work. And in, in a culture and in a time where that is so poo-pooed, where that is so spoken down upon, like, like profit and riches and wealth and success monetarily is such a bad thing and it's so oppressive and all these different things and all I can think of, that's such a bastardizing of the truth. Are there times, like I've said many times, where people take their profit and they do horrible things? Absolutely. And are there times where people who are on the other side of that equation cheat and, and don't work hard and steal from their employers? Yes. The reality is, is there are bad people who do bad things everywhere. But what you shouldn't do, what we shouldn't do as a society is tear the whole structure down because of a few bad apples. We shouldn't treat everybody. I shouldn't treat every renter like a horrible person because some renters don't pay their rent or destroy their units. And we shouldn't treat every developer and landlord and builder as the devil because some of them oppress and take advantage of people. No, what we should do is we should create systems that punish those behaviors and reward the good ones. And for a long time, that's what America strove, strove, <laughs> strided. I don't know. That's what we tried to do. Seems that more and more we're getting away from that. And what we're doing is we're saying, no, what we need is collectivism. Well, lo lots of times collectivism, communism, socialism, a lot of times that's been tried and every time it's failed and, and democratic socialism, that term, it's really annoying to me because go to Sweden and look at what the lowest tax bracket is. It's like 27%, pretty sure. If you came to America and said to all the people in the, the bottom three tax brackets, Hey, you're going to be taxed at 27%. They would freak out because nobody wants that in America. What they want is the people who are advocating for quote, democratic socialism. That what they want is they want free stuff. They want something for nothing. And what happens when you have that is you have a, a reduction of profit because what you're doing is you're sucking profit, which is capital that can be used to invest in growth in community in creating value by the private sector. You're sucking it out of the private sector. People who are inherently very good at reallocating capital in a way that creates more community and creates more value. And you're giving it to a government that's built in a way where there's no incentive structure for them to be good at allocating capital because they have no competition. And so therefore they suck at it. 
And, and so the whole point of why I wanted to say that I think profit is the great ninth, I guess, wonder, maybe 10th of the world is because everything, gosh, everything that we see today, all the technology, like folks in America, even if you're poor, you are much less poor than if you're in India, in Delhi, in New Delhi, and you're poor, or than you were if you were poor in America a hundred years ago. Sorry, that all came because profit was reinvested to build community and to create value. And you and I are recipients of that value, even if we don't want to acknowledge the system that it came from. And so what I think is I think that we should get back to this idea of how do we create more systems, more structures, more businesses, where we can create more profits so that those profits can then be reinvested to create more community and more value. And how can we reward the people better who are doing it a better way? And how can we punish people who are taking advantage of it and oppressing people along the way? See, I look at it and I go like this. This whole talk about inflation, deflation, what's going to happen, what's not, is the market going to crash, is it going to keep going crazy, all these different things, another video for another time, but here's the deal. If America, and most frankly of Western civilization, and now a lot of Asia and most developed countries in the world, frankly, for us to continue to succeed monetarily as a system, we have to have continued growth, right? That's why they created the Federal Reserve. That's why they make it where we have to continue to lend and, and create credit so that we can get money into the world so that people can do more things. If we're going to continue to succeed economically as a country, then we have to have a system of growth, okay? So what do we know? If I run a business, and let's say my business makes... $10 million a year in profit. That $10 million a year, much of that money will get reinvested into growing my business or, or investing alternative investments that generate income for me, for the business, but also as, as a result, provide more jobs, higher wages, regardless of what they wanna tell you. I'm telling you, wages are going up. They are, and they might not be going up that high for folks who only have certain skill sets, but for highly skilled people or medium skilled people, they're going up, I promise you. And, and so that profit gets reinvested into those things, which generate more economic activity, which means the value of people's retirement that they have invested, their stocks, their bonds, their mutual funds, whatever they are, also goes up. And, and so here's the deal, if we create a system where the growth is stagnant, right? Or we have deflation, then guess what? All those people who think, who have sort of planned their whole life around re retiring with this much money or this much income or social security, which is also invested in things that generate a return. And that return is necessary in order for the next generation of people to have social security. And moreover, it's also predicated on the next generation of people working to pay more money into a system that invests in things that grow so that that growth outpaces inflation so that it, there's enough money there to pay all these people well. What do you need for that to happen? You need profit. And if you have profit, that profit can get reinvested to do great things. But today in America, for some weird, strange reason, we live in a situation where people hate profit. They're like, ah, let's, let's make them less profitable. Let's take that 10 million and let's take five of it. 
because the government can solve all of our problems. In my last episode, I talked about how poorly the government has solved the problem of getting rental relief to renters and to landlords when they've had 15 months to figure out how to do it. Okay, so you can take literally any governmental program and there's some level of failure inside of that program. And there's also some level of if the private sector did it, it could do it a lot better. I'm not saying there's nothing for the government to do. I'm just saying the less they do, in my opinion, the better. And so if you take the 10 million in profit and you give 5 million to the government, the government's inherently very bad at taking that 5 million and putting it to work in a way that generates growth. They don't think they are, but the reality is as they are. The private sector, on the other hand, is very good at taking that $5 million that they would have given to the government and putting it out in a way that grows. And people, I know, I know the rebuttal to this is, yeah, but it's not working because the wealth gap's getting bigger and all these different things. And what people, I hope, will realize is we are blaming that problem on successful, uh, successful is a bad term because it's hard to define, but financially successful people. We're blaming it on them when the reality is the wealth disparity is coming in large part because of the government, not because of the, the, the successful, financially successful people. It's coming because the free market isn't free. We don't have the ability anymore to make, to negotiate a contract or an agreement between two people free from over-regulation or governmental interference that, that comes to the point where those contracts and those agreements change because of their interference. That's what we need. And I'll give you an example. I, I use real estate as an, as an example so often because it's a good one. I could provide housing substantially cheaper, like way cheaper, like 20, 30% cheaper if I didn't have to give the government so much money that then they turn around and they invest poorly. And so then they come back to me every year and they say, I need more money. You know, that wasn't enough money. I need more money. And so I say, well, I don't want to give you more money, but I don't have a choice because you can make the rules. And so then they take a little bit more of the money and then they come back the next year and the next year and the next year. Like when was the last time that they came out and said, we're going to lower taxes. We're, we're kicking so much rear. We're lowering taxes. Um, in Washington state, the budget office just came out. I think it was OFM just came out and said, Washington did so well in the pandemic that we're actually going to have, I think it was like 3.2 billion extra dollars, more than we thought. Did they come out and say, we're going to lower your taxes because we're doing so well? No. They said, oh, great. Now we can do more programs. Now we can help, help, air quotes, more people. And yet next year they'll come back and say, we need more money. And we need more money. And we need more money. They're sucking profit. They're sucking capital out of the private sector, the sector that actually knows how to reinvest that capital in a way that builds community and creates value. And in, or in, in the byproduct of that is that the wealth gap gets bigger. It gets worse. Here's a great example. Another example. Why is the wealth gap getting bigger? Well, it's very simple right now. And, and honestly, for a long time, like in the 2008 financial crisis, it probably started to the greatest degree. But listen, folks, when they print money, when they create money out of thin air, and, and people don't realize this, but when they manipulate the markets by buying bonds, this is the Fed, when they buy things that should be bought by the private sector, but when there's no, not enough demand in the private sector, so they, they go in and they buy it because otherwise there wouldn't be enough demand, which would, which would 
change the pricing of those assets. They manipulate the market. That's what they do. Well, guess what? When you're manipulating the market in a way that, that purposefully causes inflation, which they say every year we need some inflation because the whole thing's basically a Ponzi scheme, as I've said multiple times. We have to keep the Ponzi scheme growing and going, right? So they come in, they manipulate a market. They create inflation. Guess who wins in inflationary environments? It is people who own assets. Who own assets? Well, wealthier people. So, and, and it's not just wealthy people, like 60% of Americans or 65% of Americans own their home, own where they live. That's an asset. It keeps going up in value because we create, keep manipulating the market. We keep printing money. We then go like BlackRock. There's this big thing online right now about how BlackRock is going in and they're buying these housing communities. Well, guess how much they pay when they borrow the money? As I understand it, 0%. So they pay zero, but we pay three. Do you think that they could then afford to pay more than you and me to buy said assets? Absolutely. Well, what does that do? If you've ever done any real estate, especially residential, it's all done by sales comps. Comparable sales of similar properties is what dictates pricing, at least from the lender standpoint. So when BlackRock can come in and they can borrow money at 0% and they can take that money and they can acquire assets, and they can pay more for the assets that rises, that raises the price of similar assets, which might be your home. Okay. That's great for people who own assets. It's terrible for people who don't. You're a renter and the price of houses just went up 30% because people were borrowing money at 0% to buy the assets. Well, that means your rent's probably going to go up 30%. Your wages probably didn't go up 30%. Folks, that's not the, that's not the fault of the average main street business owner. That's the fault of a crony, corrupt governmental monetary policy that you and I have no control over other to, than to expose it and to talk about it. And so we, we got to stop sort of pointing the prover, proverbial gun at our, again, proverbial at our, our neighbors and at people who are literally trying to create profits to reinvest, to build more community and create more value for the people around them. We need to stop demonizing them and we need to start demonizing the system that's creating the problem instead of pointing it and demonizing the people who aren't causing the problem. What we need is a system where, think about this. I, I read a stat, it blew me away. Like 100 years ago, 75% of Americans, it said, were self-employed. Today, it's 25%. And I thought, man, that is such a powerful stat because what that tells me, and you can see it in the whole conversation in America. This country a hundred years ago was primarily risk takers. People who were willing, and before that, people willing to get on a boat and sail across an ocean, not knowing what they were going to go to, having nothing when they get there and just saying, it's worth it. It's worth it to get out, out of this tyranny and to go for it. It's worth it just to have opportunity that never would exist where I am. And then time progressed and 75% of people here were business owners, you know, killing what they eat, so to speak. And now it's 25%. And now 75% are working for somebody. That's not inherently a bad thing. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm not saying that anyone's less than anyone else because they own a business or because they work for somebody that owns a business. What I'm saying is there's a culture of risk, that risk-taking, guts, determination, that has sort of been bred out of us as we've incentivized businesses to get bigger. We don't have free enterprise. We don't have 
I said I wasn't going to use this word, but I have to here. We don't have capitalism. We have crony capitalism. We have systems where big, huge businesses can sit on the boards and help legislatures make policy that, that give them bigger moats and bigger competitive advantages. And they drive guys like me out of business and they drive people like my friends out of business. That's, we got to go backwards in time. And I say all that because I just want to encourage you, like, if you want to change your circumstance, if you want to change your life, start a business, figure out, like, this is what business is about. What value can you create in the marketplace? Right? I said this to somebody yesterday and I think, man, I want to use it more, but here's what we have to realize. Different skills have different values, different value at different times. I happen to be lucky in the sense that I was born at a time where my skill set is quite valuable in the marketplace. My skill set 200 years ago wouldn't be very valuable. So I probably wouldn't be where I am today with the skill set I have today had I been born 200 years ago and had the same skill set. And so you have all these people and they're talking about wealth disparity and they're talking about all these things that are just a symptom of a problem instead of the problem. If we want to solve or make a dent or start to change the conversation and the outcomes with wealth disparity and, and with people having an opportunity to move up in the world, there's a few things we have to do. One, we have to change the monetary system that's stacking the cards against them. That's not done by demonizing people taking risk and running business. It's done by advocating for your governments to stop screwing you. That's what it's, that's that part. The second part is we have to develop the right skill sets in a lot of people. So then those people can go out, compete in the marketplace, create value, create value, create value, build community. Give you another example. Right now, if you go into the construction world, man, it is so hard. And if you've had to do this, you know, it is so hard to just find contractors that will show up, use an email, communicate and do their job. Why is that? Well, because they're all too busy because there's not enough people in the trades. There's a ton of demand for people in the trades, but there's not enough supply of labor, of skill in that industry. And so we're sitting here saying like, man, we need to get people out of these $15 or excuse me, out of these $7 and 65 cent an hour jobs. And we need to get them into higher paying jobs. Well, guess what? How do you change that? You change that by changing their skill set. Not by just paying them more money. If we pay them more money, we create more inflation and they don't have any more purchasing power and it's just a vicious cycle and then we just have to keep raising prices as we raise wages. It doesn't solve the problem. What solves the problem is helping them get a better skill set. A skill set that creates more value in the marketplace. Listen, there's nothing wrong with flipping a burger to make a living. Nothing. Zero. Just like I don't want to demonize people who are successful financially, I don't want to demon, demonize people who lack certain skill sets. But what I want to do is I want to say, hey, if you want to change your life, if you want to get out of the flipping burgers, if you want to do something that pays you more, that gives you more fulfillment, develop a skill set. I want to help you do it. I want that to be the next iteration of what I do here. I want to help people identify skill sets that create more value in the marketplace. And I want to help them develop those skill sets because that's going to change our life. Not a government handout, not a government promise, not a government anything. The government will get in the way of them developing that skill set. That's been shown a hundred times. People like me, people like you, people who care, who work in the private sector, we can come together and say, 
what are the skill sets that will be the most valuable as far as we can tell for the next 50 years? And how do we, de how do we develop and, and allocate the resources and the capital into those areas to train people to have those skill sets? That's what we need to do. Because then we can take, we won't solve the problem for everybody. That's for sure. But we can take a lot of people have a current problem, which is they don't have enough wealth. They don't make enough personal profit, right? Personal profit is just having money left over at the end of the day. Again, in eighth wonder of the world, you want to change your personal life, create more personal profit. You want to create more personal profit, develop better skill sets, develop greater or valuable skill sets. Focus on what problems do I care about that I think I can help solve in the marketplace, in the world, in my community. And then how do I develop the skill sets to help go solve those problems? And if you do that, I promise you, you will get value in return. And listen, here's the thing. You might pick an industry where the, the value you get in return is not monetary. You might decide you want to be a police officer. And a, a police officer, you're never going to get rich. You'll get paid enough that if you're smart, you can have enough personal profit to be able to retire someday, no doubt. But you're not going to you're not going to have five houses most likely. But the value you get if society will figure out how to fix the narrative around all of this collectively on all sides, but the value you might get is you help save people's lives, you help keep people safe. That's valuable. Like community and value, creating community, creating value isn't just about money. For some people, they like the money part. For some people, they like the, the social part. They like the intrinsic value, right? The non-quantifiable value. And both are valuable. And so I say all that because I truly believe, like if we want to change the community, if we want to change the outcome, we want to change the world. We have to start encouraging people and businesses to create more profit. Create more prof profit in your personal life. Here's the deal. You want to know why the, I don't think the Federal Reserve is going to raise interest rates? At least not to a, to a degree that really does what we need to, to, to really curb short-term inflation. Long-term deflation is a different conversation for another day, but in the current market, we spend about a third of our federal budget, I believe, on debt service. That means interest payments. Let's just say, hypothetically, this is a very simplistic thing here, but let's just say hypothetically that that all of that debt on average is 3%. So at 3% interest on the current debt that we have, we spend about a third of our federal budget on that interest. Well, if they had to double that interest, what happens? Well, let's just say that it all happened at the same time, which isn't how it works, but for simplicity, let's say it happened. We would have to spend about two thirds of our federal budget to service debt. And if that happened, what would happen? Well, We'd have to either print more money to service that debt, which is what they would mo most likely do, causing more inflation, or we would have to cut back on other essential services. Highly unlikely. But the reality is, is if you think about it personally, most people who own a home have probably refinanced by now. They've lowered, they've taken advantage of cheaper interest, therefore lowering their monthly cost, therefore creating more profit in their lives. That profit then can be, in, be reinvested in their kid's education or in their retirement or whatever it might be. But that is a good thing, okay? Businesses have done likewise, but we can't really go any lower. There's no more debt to refinance at a lower rate. It can only pretty much, I mean, we could go negative, maybe that happens, but for the most part, we can only go up a certain amount, right? And so 
the way I look at it is I go, if we can encourage people personally to create more profit in their own lives that can be reinvested, they can start to change their own lives, their own futures, their kids' futures, their kids' kids' futures. If we can create more opportunities for people to be willing to take more risks so that not 25% of people are self-employed, but 35 or 45 or 55 or whatever it might be. Guess what? Those people, when they become business owners, they own assets. And we know that we work inside of an inflationary system. That isn't going to change anytime soon, at least not as I can tell. So if you want to change your life, if you want to get ahead, if you want to change the wealth disparity in your own life and collectively as a society, guess what? We need more people to own assets, not less. Well, how can you own an asset? You can buy a house or you can start a business. Those are two really easy ways to own assets. And so owning those assets, if you do it well, will help you generate, you, you utilize, you leverage the asset to generate a profit. And then that profit is then turned around to help do more of the same. Folks, Profit is good. Profit used bad because someone's heart is bad is bad. But you look at North Korea, not a lot of profit in North Korea. How would you like to live there? You live at, you live in India right now? How would you like to live there? You know, I, we complain about so much garbage in America. And you go to some of these other places in the world, you realize how great we have it. And part of the reason we have it so great is because we have a system that allows people to generate a profit so that that profit can get reinvested to build better communities and to create more value. Right now, the value scale is out of balance, no doubt about it. But what we need to fix the balance is not to villainize the people that generate the profit. What we need is to, to reorganize and to restructure the way that the financial system works because it inherently gives advantage to the people who create the profit that own the assets and actually disadvantages those that don't. What we need is to level that playing field. And I promise you, you don't do that through raising taxes. You do that by changing the way that monetary policy is executed in our country. You do that by training people with the skill sets of today and tomorrow so that when they go out into the marketplace in their community, they know how to create value. They get rewarded for that value. We're talking about all of the wrong things. And that's why the system and the situation doesn't get better. It gets worse because while we're arguing over here, they're screwing us over there. We got to come together and say, no, we're not going to get distracted anymore. We know the real problem. And we're going to come together. The 70% of us or so that are sort of normal, able to have a conversation, able to ne negotiate deals. We're going to come together and we're going to come together in as one voice, if you will. And we're gonna fight back against the very thing that's pitting us against each other. So anyway, that's what I wanted to share in this episode. I think profit is a great wonder of the world. I think that we should, I think that we should be much more positive about it as we talk about it. And I think that we should continue to have conversations transparently about how do we deal with the heart of man so that when there is profit, they're not oppressing their fellow man. And the only way that I've seen that work personally is through the gospel, right? People think, oh, Christianity, man, it can't be about, it can't be about profit. It can't be about owning and running businesses and taking advantage of people. And I think, oh man, far from it, the opposite, but it's not anti-business. It's not anti-profit, not at all. The Bible has lots of stories about the business owner, about the person that owns the land, 
Heck, Israel, the law, the Torah, God dictated to the people how they would go about owning the land. Owning land, owning resources, running businesses is not a bad thing. What's bad is that all of men's heart is bad, and so we're all selfish. We're all, we have a natural propensity to hoard, to take care of ourselves, to be selfish. And it's transformation through a relationship with Christ, through seeing what he did for us. He gave, it says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And so for us, I look at it and I say, I want to I live and work in a system that gives man the greatest opportunity to thrive. And I promise you it's not communism. And I promise you it's not socialism. It is the free market. Freedom. Freedom is what lets man thrive. But when man thrives with a, with a dark, dingy heart, then man oppresses each other. But when man can thrive in freedom with a heart that's been renewed and restored, with eyes that have been opened, they don't oppress their fellow man. They don't take advantage of their fellow man. They, they learn how to generate a profit, both personally and corporately, to give to those in need, to tithe, to, to generate offerings, to help people. Listen, man, if, if we had enough people who had made enough profit, who had enough hearts that had been transformed and regenerated, we wouldn't need the government to solve all the problems because we would be the ones solving the problems. We would be the ones out of the goodness of our heart, helping people develop skill sets, helping people, not giving them a fish like the government does, but teaching them how to fish. We, we will never solve this problem giving people more fish. We will solve this problem by teaching them how to fish. I don't know of another way to do that other than to have my heart personally regenerated, which I got to work on every day. Has, have there been times in my life where I've oppressed someone in some way? Yeah, absolutely. And for any of us to say that that hasn't happened, we're liars. Have there been times in my life where I've stolen something? Yeah, I got caught stealing when I was like nine years old from a convenience store because I wanted some candy and I didn't have any money. You know, and, and that's in all of us, if we're honest. The, the, the problem isn't the system. God's law, when he created the law, wasn't the problem. It was a sinful heart of man. And we can keep coming up with governmental solutions that will be still run by men and women with sinful hearts, and we will keep getting sinful results. And sinful results means fellow man, fellow woman, and by the way, when I say man, I mean collectively, like humans, will suffer. So how do we build better communities, and how do we create more value, and how do we do it in a way that doesn't oppress other people? We do it by having renewed hearts and renewed minds. And I think the way that that happens is through a relationship with Jesus because he showed the way, right? Like I can't, what, what can somebody say about the life of Jesus as it's written about? That's bad. A guy that, if you believe the Bible, is God. And he humbled himself to come here to be a person, a human like us. And he could have come here to rule and reign and boss people around and lord his greatness over them. And yet he came as his humble servant, not knowing where he would sleep at night, not having any extra money. And I don't think the moral of the story there is that you shouldn't have any extra money. I think the moral of the story is the money shouldn't be the purpose of your life. It shouldn't be the point of your life. The point of your life would be to serve. And we happen to live in a, well, sort of free market where if you do that very well, if you serve a lot of people, and if you do it really well, the value you get in exchange is intrinsic, but also quantifiable, also tangible. 
money. But again, we have to figure out through a renewed heart how to use those profits, how to use that money to create better communities that create more value for more people. And I promise you, once again, by my last time, that doesn't happen through creating a communist system. That doesn't happen by creating a, a socialist system. That, folks, again, when we create more systems from sinful hearts, we get sinful results. When we create better systems, free systems, where men can be free, women can be free, and we renew and regenerate more men's and women's hearts, we have a greater ability to thrive. We have a greater ability to live in, in, place, in environments with less sin, with less oppression. That's my perspective. And you may have a different one, but folks, I just hope that at some point we start looking around and realizing if we just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, we're going to keep getting the same results. And it seems to me like that's what's happening. But I do think people are waking up. And, and so that's why I do these videos. Uh, I'm just sharing from my heart, sharing what's speaking to me. So maybe I will change my name back to spoke to me. I don't know. But I, I really do appreciate you watching these. And, and I hope that something I shared here today uh, between both episodes, although they, they won't come, back, come out on the same day, I hope something was valuable. I, I hope something was helpful. And, and if it was, again, I, I really appreciate you sharing it. Uh, hitting the thumbs up, leaving a comment, leaving a, a rating, whatever it might be, because I really do enjoy doing these, and, and I hope that they, they help you and, and give you some encouragement, maybe challenge you a little bit as we go through the crazy times that we're in. And so one, one of the things I want to do here is I really do want to leave with a message of hope because it's easy when we read the news or we listen to things to get dis discouraged and, and really disgruntled, and I've found myself pretty disgruntled more often than I care to admit over the last year and a half or so. And, and, and so here's what I'd say. I'd say that at least in my belief, as I read my Bible, what I know is that things do get dark, uh, but we're called to be a light in the darkness. And so I don't know if there's any hope for this world in terms of fixing these problems or, or fixing these or creating solutions to all this because the world has been going through some form of, of this for as long as we've been here. And so it's like if I think about the whole globe, I can't personally and you can't personally create some perfect utopia around that globe like so many are trying to. But I think what we can do is create some light, little pockets of light in the darkness around us. And so for me, it's like I don't know if there's any hope for changing all this in the world today, but I do know that there's an eternal hope. I believe that there is an eternal hope, that, that we're not just flesh and bones, right? That, that there's a something to our spirit that will live forever. And the Bible says that when you look around at all that's wrong in the world today, and, and man in his wisdom tries to fix it, tries to change it, the reality is, as, I, as I've talked about, we have a sinful nature. But when we're willing to surrender to the fact that we have a sinful nature and put our faith in Jesus, he'll cover the sin. And while it might not solve, there's no prosperity gospel here, it's not going to solve all your problems today. As a matter of fact, it will probably make you and me be more persecuted today. But there will be a day, there's a song, there will be a day, when there's no more tears, no more pain, all those things. When, when all the things that are longing in our hearts collectively, that we're longing for, peace, prosperity, freedom, there will be a day when we see all of that happen. And that day certainly won't be here in, in, in the earth today. 
but there will be a day. And, and, and I think that if that's what you're longing for, and if that's what you've been looking for, all the stuff that I share that other people share, you know, the whole point for me of doing this is to try and create some light in, in the dark pocket that's around me and to hopefully get more people on board to light their candles, so to speak. But also to say that we might be able to light up a pocket around us, but there's no chance that we're going to light up and solve all the problems around the world. But that there is a faith, there is a person that you can put your faith in, that even if you don't see the whole world lit up while you're here on this earth, you'll get to see it lit up the way that it's supposed to be someday. And that, the way that you do that, the way that I do that, is we put our faith in Jesus. And so that's what I want to leave you with today. I, I would love to give you some other, some other message of hope, some system we can create, some government we can, we can create that would solve all these problems, but it doesn't exist. I don't think it exists. But I do think that there does exist all of that at some point down the road. And so to me, that's the ultimate hope for me. That's what gives me the ability to come out and do these things and, and speak my mind knowing that there's going to be people who think I'm completely nuts or who can't stand me or whatever it might be. But, but I do hope that there are some of you out there who, who do get something from this and who are encouraged and who do find hope. So thanks for watching again, and I'll see you soon.